Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. We would be honoured if you would join us. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion, the weekly Star Wars show coming to you every single Saturday. I'm your host Mark and with me I've got my great friend and fellow Star Wars geek, Mr. Gary Aylett. How are you doing brother, you good? I'm awesome buddy. Good, 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 glad to hear it. Now coming up this week we have got our famous, I'm going to say now famous, top threes. We've done three episodes now I guess, that makes it famous right? Uh, infamous or famous, one of the two. Infamous, yeah. like the three amigos. Speaking of threes, we have our top three dream collectibles, and then we are heading into our review and discussion session where we are going to talk about part two of the Claudia Gray book, Master and Apprentice, which was very recently released. And then the random spotlight is going to focus on the GNK droid, which, of course, I'm sure all of you know, like we do, as the very famous. Gonk. <laughs> We're going to get into that in just one second. But look, if you want exclusive content, if you want some Spark of Rebellion merchandise, go and hit up our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Spark of Rebellion. Come and join the Spark of Rebellion tribe. We'll see you over there. So what's been going on this week, guys? How's life, man? We all good? Life is awesome, man. Very cool. It's... Uh... We're nearing the launch for the podcast proper, May the 4th. So it's just been another week of doing some research and looking into Star Wars stuff, talking about Star Wars stuff, thinking about Star Wars stuff. Um, yeah, it's life's all good, man. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you, mate. I've been uh, working with you, as you know, and, and for you listening, we've been working on, on, on the setup of the show, so getting the cover art done, the, the segment art done. And uh, it's coming on really nicely, man. You know, we're recording this on May the 1st. We're, we're launching it May the 4th, of course, on, on Saturday, May the 4th. So it's exciting, dude. It's, it's, it's nice to see, to see it come into life a little bit, isn't it? You know, the idea springing into action a little bit. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Mark and I ran a podcast uh, many moons ago uh, called Two Shots of the Head, where we um, had a little corner of the DC world. And uh, we had a similar vibe then where we just had a, a spark no pun intended, of an idea. And uh, we had that up and running and that was really cool. So um, I'm looking forward to getting this out in the wild and chatting to Star Wars fans and just chatting Star Wars in general, man. It's good times. Yeah, it really is, dude. It really, really is. All right, let's let's dig into the, the, the first segment then. So our now infamous top three <laughs> segment where we, uh, you know, if there's not much news going on in Star Wars land, if if we are recording in batch or, or for whatever reason, you know, we're not going to be discussing anything that's timely. We dig into our top three somethings from the Star Wars universe. Now, Gaz, this is, I feel like this is very much up your street. I feel like you've got this kind of dialed in a lot more than I have. So this is our top three dream collectibles. And I don't know about you, but I approach this from the perspective of kind of number one, being a collector, 
as at today. So, you know, the stuff that I would love to have in my house right now. But also, I went to a, kind of a little bit crazy. I was like, well, wait a sec. Gaz has put the word dream in there. So I'm kind of going to dig into what you could get. <laughs> like, what's some of the crazy stuff you could really get? So I'm looking I'm looking forward to this one. So what do we got to do? What's your, what's your, your, your third on the list? What's, what's the third collectible that you would love to possess? Yeah, sure. So I kind of went down a similar road where... Uh, I've got a mix of stuff that is definitely obtainable, but also stuff that, yeah, unless I get a tasty new job in six figures, uh, only six figures in the next couple of months, um, yeah, those like grail pieces, if you like, those dream collectibles. So number three for me is the uh, Lego Ultimate Collector Series Sandcrawler set. Uh, If you want to get geeky, it's the Lego model code 75059, and it's the... uh, it's a huge piece. It's um the I've seen this a few times in the Lego shop at various places, and the box is huge. It's uh it's a big um uh, three thousand pieces plus uh, set. It opens up. You can see inside it. It's really accurate. It's got all of the um uh, little accessories that you would expect. It's obviously got a few Jawas with it. Uh, it's got three PO Luke, um, a couple of little droids. You know the scene in A New Hope where the big sand crawler rolls up to the moisture farm when they buy R2 and 3PO. And you've got all those other weird little droids knocking around and stuff. It's got all those in there. And the little um, red R5 unit that blows its stack, as Luke calls it. Uh, It's got that in there as well. Now, I know that there are some more popular uh, Lego Ultimate Collector Series sets, like the big Millennium Falcon uh, that they released um, a while back. And also the big Death Star 2, you know, that huge one that opens up with all the compartments. Um, But for some reason, this one just brings me back to a new hope every time and it's just a great looking set so uh it's pretty pricey um the last time i looked on ebay i I think you can get them in the shop if they've got stock left but on ebay i think it's about 400 squids possibly so uh yeah one day i'll treat myself and get this up on uh in the office yeah damn that's a good choice dude lego is just just so kind of uh cathartic and a little bit therapeutic for me Mm. so i totally understand that do you know i've got a uh I've actually got a throne room Lego set that I got for Christmas to build. I might do that this week. It's, it's not a huge one, but I think it's the, uh, maybe from The Last Jedi. Okay. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to do that this week. So I hear you on the Lego, dude. Nice play on that one. I think that's a, a really good shout. And and uh, I don't know, like, would I have the patience? I don't. Would you have the patience to do a 3,000 piece Lego set? Yeah, yeah. Get a brew on. Yeah. You'll be sorted. Yeah. Get a brew on. Only take an hour. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number three, buddy? All right, bro. So my number three is I'm a bit of a, 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 a kind of figurine guy. So I've got a lot of DC stuff in figurine form and a little bit of Star Wars stuff in figurine form. So I went, before I went crazy with things, I went for the Kotor Bukia, which is a, a, an artifacts kind of statue house. Kotor Bukia Obi-Wan Kenobi from A New Hope. Now this is only 45 books, but what I really like about the Kotor Bukia stuff is that it's all... It's all very well proportioned stuff. It's very well designed stuff. It's not, you know, you see a lot of figurines that are quite embellished in certain areas, whether it's the shoulders, the feet, or whether it's kind of the anime style where all of the all of the features are kind of just blown out of proportion a little bit. It's none of that. The the the, the stuff 
doesn't tend to do that. And there's lots of these out there. There's Darth Vader. There's obviously there's kind of uh, the newer stuff. You got your Poe. You got your Finn. You got Rey. You got a Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker. But the Obi Wan is just. It's got an air of grace. The pose that they've chosen with the uh, with the lightsaber. They've got obviously the the the, the kind of beacon lightsaber in there as well. And it's just. It's a really nice display set you know it's one of those things you can you can put right at the center of a display and build everything around it so yeah my number three my man is the Kotubakia obi-wan kenobi from a new hope i love it man i love the that the set comes with the alternate hood up version for a bit more battle with vader look and feel yeah, it's really cool, man. They, they they put so much thought into these things. Um, like some of the DC ones that I've got are just are just really good. And they come with, often come with little add-ons. So you'll get like with Nightwing, you'll get the little Eskrima sticks. And the same with Obi-Wan, of course, you'll get the uh, the the, uh, the lightsaber. You'll get, as you said, you'll get the different kind of variant of the hood and so on and so forth. So yeah, really, really solid dude. Really good bit of kit. Um, okay, what we got next? What's, uh, what's, what's your number two, my man? Uh, very quickly, before I move on, one accessory I didn't know that you could get with that which is really sad, is the robes lying on the floor after he's been chopped down by Vader and the, his lightsaber just laying on top. How sad is that? No oh. way. I didn't even know you could yeah. get that. That's outstanding. <laughs> uh, my number two is uh, a bit more pushing the boat out now with the old dollars. Uh, the company Sideshow Collectibles. Uh, many collectors will know these guys. Uh, anyone that's into their uh, six scale figures, premium formats, all that stuff. Uh, Sideshow and Hot Toys, you know, those guys are doing the ultra-realistic figures. Uh, they do a life-size uh, figure range uh, from Star Wars. Uh, and the one, for me anyway, the one to go for has to be the life-size Darth Vader uh, figure from Sideshow. Uh, it stands at a pretty decent, uh, it's over seven foot tall. And he's got the, just the the most authoritative menacing pose is him basically with his hands on his on his belt uh, just looking for there's no big grand uh, lightsaber pose it's just really uh yeah if you if you were to have this in your home in the corner of your office or if you got a, a man cave whatever this would be like the crown jewel of like star wars stuff i know they do some other ones they do a massive um i think they do a boba fett life size i think and there's another, I think they've done a Stormtrooper life-size as well. But uh, in terms of screen accuracy as well, it's just, it. well, you'd have to go through it like, you know, centimetre by centimetre, but it looks perfect. Like, you know, the proportion, the, sc- the scale, obviously. Just the little details on the electronic switches on the front and the fabric and everything. It's just amazing. I'd absolutely love this, mate. Brilliant. Yeah, good shout, dude, good shout. And do you know what? So for, for you listening to this, you're going to think, all right, these guys just kind of rig this stuff. Like, because <laughs> we've had it over a couple, of, a couple of weeks where we've come to very similar conclusions on things. And very weirdly, man, we, we, don't, we don't set this up at all. But I have got in my second spot the Sideshow life-size Han Solo in Carbonite. <laughs> which is seven and a half grand. Imagine those little bad boys bookending. Oh, that'd be a, that'd be a serious, uh, serious collection. But, but you're right. The, 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 the detail is insane on these things. Yeah. So is this the one that uh, I'm pretty sure that the sideshow one has got the lights on the side as well. It's like proper screen accurate where you've got like the little light up panel on the side. Yep. And so on. Oh dude, 
Oh. And it's even got the grate at the bottom. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's even got the little grate that it was that the, the, the entire mechanism was stood on. And, um, yeah, well, like, legitimately, we, we don't collaborate on these things. We just we just dump them into a checklist on Trello, and, and, and whatever comes out, comes out. And it's the reason that I went for that in, in particular was I was thinking to myself, like, what what would I do with this thing? I'd probably <laughs> stick it in the house. Like I'd, I'd, in, in, in a house where I, where I had a gym or I had a really big kind of man cave or whatever, like this would be that, you know, that big imposing in the corner, holy crap, look at that thing. Mm-hmm. That would be the thing that I would have there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the sideshow stuff. I mean, they're always releasing amazing work down, where, you know, when you see it at Comic Con and they the, do a lot of movie releases and so on. Um, but you're right, man, the detail is just, it's just fabulous. And the likeness of Harrison Ford in this one is just, well, it's it's screen accurate. You know, it's, it's fantastic. And this one stands at 91 inches tall. Right. Uh, to put that into context, I think I'm six foot two um, and I'm 88. So that, um, yeah, that puts it into a bit of context. It's, uh, it's a big old bit of kit. So good shout, dude. Two sideshow collectibles and we both went for the life size. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so your one was seven k. I think the Darth Vader one's eight and a half k. It's also at fifteen and a bit k. Yeah, bit of bit of saving to do. But yeah, yeah. we'll get there, mate. We'll get there. Look after the pennies, the pounds. Look after themselves and all that. <laughs> uh, number one for me uh, was a comic book, or is a comic book, and it is the uh, issue Star Wars issue number one from way back in the day when Marvel first released the Star Wars series back in nineteen seventy seven to tie in with the film. And this really is a grail piece for, if you're a comic book collector and you're into Star Wars, this is the one to get. Um, Now, not to be confused with the re-release that Disney and Marvel did back in, I think it was 2015, maybe 2016, uh, they did a re-release of it. And um, it's, uh, I think there's some telltale signs that it's, you know, the reprint and so on. Uh, but the original one, if you can grab uh, a mint condition one, uh, potentially in the original wrapper, whatever, it's going to set you, it's going to set you around 13 grand, 12 grand for issue number one. Um, but what a piece to own though, uh, because I think I've been, I've been collecting the, the Marvel Star Wars comics for the last couple of years. Uh, and I've been going for those custom covers that look like it's the action figures on the front, the real sort of photorealistic artwork. Um, but as great as they are, these really old Marvel, where the character likenesses are not quite like the movie actors, uh, like Luke looks nothing like Mark Hamill and etc. But there's just an, a really old charm about them and just a real bit of Star Wars history that, you know, unless you were a kid at the time that were buying the, that was buying the comics, um, yeah, you're going to have to really hunt these ones down in a, I don't know, life-size Vader, Marvel number one. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what to take it, but that's a, an excellent choice. And it's actually, that's in my honourable mentions. Um, you know, coming out of the two shots era, the, the whole comics era. Uh, and and, and yeah. I was the same thing. I was like, yeah, it's got to be, the comics have got to be in there somehow. And <laughs> uh, I think that's a really good shout. And I always, this is going to sound really contrived and obviously wildly naive but i always think about these things as just actual investments you know if you if you look at if you do if you do your job right with comics they are genuinely investments you know you'll buy 99 percent of the things to read but then one percent you'll buy to, to genuinely 
um, speculate and make money on. Um, For sure. So that yeah. that's a good shout, dude. I think that's a really good shout. And I love what you said about the likenesses. It kind of harks back to an era in comics where the whole the whole medium was going through this Kirby and Lee and this kind of um, almost this kind of new god style artwork where the, the, the you know the cover art and and the internals often looked different. You know, the, the character on the cover looked nothing like the, the character on the internal. And everything was really crammed in and it, it was much less epic mm. artwork, if you like. But you're right, it's got a certain kind of storytelling charm to it, hasn't it? It's got, it's got a bit of character to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good shout, dude. Well, that made it into my honourable mentions. Okay. But I went a little bit nuts. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I went a little bit nuts with this one because I thought to myself, right, okay, this is this segment that Gary's come up with is entitled Dream Collectibles. So I actually came up with the number one for me is Luke's actual lightsaber from A New Hope, which in 2004 was sold by Gary Kurtz, who of course worked on A New Hope. And he sold that for just shy of a quarter of a million bucks. A quarter of a mil. Quarter of a mil for the actual lightsaber. Now, the thing that interested me with this one was that, did you ever see Comic Book Men, the uh, Kevin Smith kind of reality show where he was in his comic book store in New Jersey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd get people tramming in and out with all sorts of collectible stuff. Mm -hmm. And someone came in with a what they thought was a lightsaber which was, you know, uh, from the movies. And I think I think they debunked it as probably not being genuine. But that that... I remember seeing that episode and thinking to myself, I would never think about collecting props from movies. I would just, it, would, it wouldn't be a thing that I would start to consider. I would go elsewhere. I would go Sideshow, Kurtabakia. I would go, uh, you know, into the fan realm as opposed to, okay, let's get this stuff from the actual movies. And I remember Odeon selling off a load of stuff like Superman's original costume from 78, some of the Batman stuff. And it came around that time when I saw the lightsaber on Comic Book Men and I thought, do you know what? That would be outstanding. So just on an off chance, as, as we were going through this segment, I just started Googling it and thinking to myself, can you actually get hold of this thing? Sure enough, if you've got a quarter million dollars, <laughs> you can probably try and get a hold of it. And, but I just thought, how cool would that be to just have that in a little box, a little bit like Maz Kanata had it underneath the uh, <laughs> underneath the canteen of the restaurant, you know, stick it in a in a nice display case somewhere and have it next to Han in Carbonite. And, and you know, you spent quarter million quid, but <laughs> your man cave looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the problem would be, how do you? How would you convince people that that is the actual lightsaber that Luke wielded in in the movies? That's that's the thing because they'd be like, "But how do you know it's?" Well, I've, yeah, but yeah, I can totally see that, man. In terms of Star Wars props and dream collectibles and stuff, the price alone says it all. That's that's got to be, you know, I don't know of any other Star Wars prop that's more than that. I don't know about you. No, I don't either, and I'm not, you know. I'm, I mean, what else would get it? You know, you've got a Vader's helmet, maybe. You've got, I don't know, I don't think there's anything else that could be that significant. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. Can you think of anything that would be? Yeah, I think Vader's helmet, actually. You mentioned it. I think that went for a, for quite a lot. Not as much as that, but it went for, for a sizable chunk. I don't know of anything else, really. Um, yeah. Probably, probably another couple of lightsaber props, if they were ever sold, would go for. Like Vader's one, for example. Or... Mm. Um, yeah, maybe Kylo Ren's in about 50 years' time. That'll be a, a pretty penny. 
Yeah, that's a good shout because it's a new design, isn't mm. it? It's got the outlets, it's got the, the exhaust ports on the side of it. Um, that's a good shout, actually, dude. That's a good shout. So, who made the honourable mentions or what made the honourable mentions? We've got um, very similar, a couple of these, I think. Um, one in particular, which is exactly the same. And I'd also add in mine Star Wars issue one, so I'm going to forget that. I'm not going to say that again. But uh, what did you have, dude? Uh, yeah, so I had the other Lego Ultimate Collector's Edition, so the Millennium Falcon. Uh, I had the uh, the original um, uh, Boba Fett action figure from Kenner uh, way back in the day when they had to cancel the rocket firing thing for safety reasons, but the prototypes are still knocking around. Uh, that would be a, another grail piece. Um, similar one to one of yours, um, instead of the life-size uh, Han and Carbonite, I, I, I have to find a link and show you, but there's a company that makes these desks uh, Star Wars themed, and there's a Han and Carbonite desk. It's this huge glass, awesome looking thing. It's uber expensive, but uh, that's an awesome one. Uh, the early bird empty box um, that they did back in the day when Kenner couldn't produce the figures quick enough, so kids had to order an empty box with a an IOU basically saying that you were going to get the figures, and you got a cool little Star Wars Space Club membership card. That'd be just amazing to have that just for nostalgia. And um, uh, the original 1981 ATAT. Uh, uh, Walker uh, and just very very quickly I had one of those it was bought for me on one of my early birthdays along with a bunch of figures I put them in a box in the loft fast forward a bunch of years I go to my mum's to go and get them she said no I've given all your toys away to our next door neighbour who's now moved away so I had yeah thousands of pounds worth of original Star Wars figures just given away what I know that is insane yeah oh that's gutting, dude. I'm sorry to hear that. Commiserations on that. What a killer. Cheer me up, man. What have you got on your list? Oh. <laughs> I don't know if anything can bring you back from that one. I actually had a, back when I was a kid, I had a Palpatine um, Kenner. And uh, I remember, I think it was a Kenner. Because I remember it. And then it got thrown around the garden and got buried. <laughs> and I was like, to my little brother, I was like, what have you done? What have you done? He's buried the, he buried the thing. I was like, cheers for that, kid. Um, so that, that, God knows where that went. Um, but what did we have? I actually had, obviously, the Boba Fett uh, Kenner figure with the firing rocket, and I had Star Wars issue one. They were the two that I had, the main two that I had. But I also had a Kenner figure. Um, I went to, I don't think I told you this, but about a year ago in Barnsley Town Hall. So I live in, in Barnsley, and they, they've got a, a museum and the town hall, and they have these rotating exhibitions. And they had a Star Wars toy exhibition. So they had all of the original toys. They had a Boba Fett, the Kenner with the uh, the rocket firing. They had one of those in there. It was it was literally everything. They had a lot of the original Ralph McQuarrie artwork in there. They had a lot of the original posters in there. They had some of the variants that never made it out into the wild. Um, it was this stunning, stunning little exhibition. And one thing caught my eye. One thing caught my eye, which was... Um, the Kenner figure from 1985, which is Anakin Skywalker from Return of the Jedi, as he appears as a Force ghost. And I thought that was really, really cool. Because number one, most people who are new to Star Wars over the last 10, 15 years see Anakin as Hayden, Hayden Christensen. And you you never saw anything other than the helmet coming off and then Force Ghost. You didn't see anything else. So I think for, or I thought at the time, and actually still think it, you know, for him to get that figure... And to, to own a little bit of that original production mm -hmm. um, kind of season, I thought was really, really cool. So that was my that was my last one on the honourable mentions because I'd love to own that. Just that little, 
yeah, but this is this is the original, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's like when your mum says that she listened to Journey before you even knew about me, like, all right, mum, I get it. But to your <laughs> mum, that's like, yeah, I'm the OG, you know, that's, I'd love that feeling with this, this Anakin, uh, this Anakin piece. So yeah, that was mine, dude. Yeah, nice. That um, toy exhibition, I think that's in Leicester now. Pretty sure. So anyone that's near Leicester, go and check that out. It's pretty good. Uh, some great stuff there, dude. Some awesome stuff. Um, sorry to end on a bummer. Yeah, mum. I don't know what you're doing there. Uh, yes, uh, before we, um, uh, we move on to our um, review and uh, discussion uh, section, make sure you go and check out the uh, show over on Patreon. Just uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash uh, spark of rebellion. Uh, you can get involved there and get yourself some swanky merch, uh, get some producer credits on some of those tiers uh, and just generally uh, be involved in the show. Uh, so review and discussion segment. Um, last week or last episode, we spoke through, uh, well, Mark spoke through about the recent, recently released book, Master and Apprentice, uh, and you gave us your thoughts on what you had read so far. So have you got any further with this book since then? I have indeed. I've not quite finished it yet, um, but it becomes more and more interesting the deeper that I get into it. So I'm maybe, maybe 75% through it. And uh, it's, it's really, really solid, man. So have you have you picked it up yet? I don't want to say too much if you've not. Have you picked it up yet? I know you'd ordered it, hadn't you? Yeah, so I've got it, but I haven't started it yet. So go easy on the potential spoilers, if possible. Of course I will. Of course <laughs> I will. Um, so yeah, to kind of just footnote last week, really, and just add a little bit more context into it. Like this book is just, it's everything that you want as a Star Wars mythology fan. Um, it, it really, it, it does, for me, it does three really good jobs. So the first thing that it does really, really well is it shows the, the, the divide and the split of the Jedi from those who believe in the prophecies and the old Jedi texts and the old Jedi holocrons versus those who don't, which I think is very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. It also showcases the real frail relationship between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, but from both of their perspectives. And the funny thing about it is they're both just trying to do their best. Mm. And, you know, there's this real misunderstanding and and it's just, it's very, it's very, very interesting on that front. Because I think I said it last week, you get this whole Qui-Gon, you know, it, it references or it digs into a little bit this whole, well, you know, you did get offered a place on the Jedi Council sort of thing. Um... And the third thing that it does really well is it gives Dooku, like I said last week, gives Dooku a lot more backstory. So it introduces one of Dooku's former Padawans, uh, a guy called Rael Avaros. And he is essentially sort of a, a, a Padawan that has come up through the ranks, that has got to know Dooku really, really well, and then who has left to become a Jedi Knight, is a little bit unconventional, but then who... Qui-Gon has taken the place of and they all end up meeting and it's all, you know, they, they build this kind of this kind of three-way relationship with, with all these different dynamics. And it's, what it does for Dooku's character is very interesting. It humanises him. But what it also does is, and I'll, I will not say too much on this, but it, it starts to just go into this whole, okay, why did this guy leave? What did the Jedi think of him when he left? What was, what, what, what were the Padawans thinking when they saw a, a Jedi master leave? Um, what was Qui-Gon thinking? What, is there any link to kind of the archives, the kind of um, this lust for power, this whole, um, you know, the, the Jedi aren't giving me quite enough, the belief in the prophecies and then kind of poo-pooing the prophecies to other people, but yet hoarding them for himself. There's all, there's a real depth 
to the character that you didn't get in anything. I mean, even in, you know, we saw him in what? Episode two, you saw him in Attack of the Clones and we saw him in The Clone Wars. And we saw him a little bit in some of the books, I think, um, with Ventress. Um, hmm. But that was it. There was no real depth. He was just this Jedi that had gone and he'd become he'd become Sidious's apprentice. Um, and I'm, I'm just finding that very, very interesting because we've never had that before. We've never, like, we've never had his character explored like that. And don't get me wrong, there's not a huge focus on him, but the bits that are in there are just absolute gold. Um, so yeah, just continue, continue to highly, highly recommend that. And just, it's one of those books because it's Claudia Gray that is, um, it's got two kind of plots to it. And one plot is highly mythological. You know, one plot is connectivity, it's galaxy, it's universe, it's connective. The other plot is, is full of MacGuffins to allow the other stuff to happen, um, which there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's a classic kind of um, classic kind of layout for a book. Um, so just just highly recommended. You know, there's so many Star Wars books coming out there. There's so many books that are that are good, but that don't necessarily advance anything. They're just filling in something else from another corner of the galaxy, which is you know that's all good. The great stories. But this one seems to tick both boxes. You know, you've got a nice standalone story that does its job on its own. And you've got, for guys like you and me that are just into the mythology, you just have this this just absolute mine of good stuff. Um, so it's cool, man. Yeah, it's, it's really, really good. That's a good point. So would you say that you don't need to be heavily invested in um, other books or other material around these characters? You can just pick this book up and read it with no, you don't have to worry about having stuff explained to you in another piece of media somewhere. You can read this straight through with no problems, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you, it, it assumes no knowledge. It assumes right. that you've never heard of Dooku and it, it puts that in place. I mean, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan uh, at that stage in their careers would never had any material on them. Mm. So you can, you know, it's almost a precursor to a Phantom Menace. It's precursor to everything else in, in the, um, you can you can really enjoy this as a standalone piece of work. But like I said, if you want to, you can read into it in so many different ways. There'll be so many times that you just see a sentence and you're like, mm, okay, that actually sets up a train of thought that might not take hold for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's that is just, it's really multi-layered, multi-threaded. So absolutely, yeah. In fact, you raise a really good point, dude, which is, um, you know, this it's probably the easiest entry point into Star Wars literature that I've seen from anything in the new um, new canon universe. It's the, it's the easiest entry point because it doesn't assume any knowledge. So yeah, that's a really good point, man. And she also wrote another book that you really like. Um, was it Lost Stars, I think? Is that one that you like? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Lost Stars was good. And that again, you know, back to the 2-4, I think what Claudia Gray does so well, she writes a lot of the Princess Leia stuff as well. Mm. Um, and Lost Stars is very interesting so far as it it handles very well the point of view of, or, or it handles from a different perspective, the events of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And it does it through the eyes of two characters who we've never met before, but it throws into really key scenes throughout the original trilogy. Everything from um, the original Death Star to Hoth, you know, right. it throws us into those kind of uh, those kind of scenes and it's it's very it's very interesting to see because i think what 
you know, where the prequels delved into kind of making Star Wars a little bit less fantastical insofar as it's not a Western anymore, it's almost a political saga to kick this whole war off. You know, they added layers to Star Wars with the prequels. And I think that the way that Claudia Gray does her work is really good because it adds a lot of extra layers to this insofar as, okay, these stormtroopers are not some comedic people who can't aim properly and bang their heads on door frames. These are actually... You know, they're soldiers, they're dying. They're being taken from the families and, you know, they're, they're going through hell. And then you see kind of the, 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 the indoctrination and you see the whole training regimen, you see the brainwashing, you see everything that comes with it, the propaganda. You see everything that we can relate to a much more modern world that we live in. And it's applied through the lens of Star Wars. And I think that's what Claudia Gray does really, really well. She adds a layer of actual humanity mm-hmm. to what is essentially a massive space fantasy. And uh, yeah, it's the, she's such a good writer, dude. She's so good. Yes, I'm looking forward to uh, to starting this one. And not that it has anything to do with the story so much, but the cover art is lovely as well. Yeah. Oh, and it just, yeah. Do you know who did that? I don't know if there's any info on I'm sure there is, but uh, yeah, you've not sure. got that to hand. No, you? I'm not sure. It's really, really nice, but it, but yep. Yeah, bottom line, you know, without spoilers, and 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 I would just say, as you uh, as you as you drew out of me there, man, I think it's yeah, it's a great jumping on point for anyone. So highly, highly recommend and go and check it out. Star Wars: Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Indeed, nice one, dude. Uh, moving on, it's time for the random spotlight. We almost need like a little jingle here, don't we? A cheesy little radio. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. So the random spotlight. So as uh, we mentioned earlier, it's just a, a, a way of highlighting something from Star Wars. Could be anything at all. Uh, and this week we have decided to focus on that cute little walking suitcase or walking little fridge freezer, whatever you want to call it, the uh, the GNK droid, power droid, or it, as it's most fondly known as the gonk droid. And why is it called that, Mark? Is it because of the sound that it makes? Yes. I'm waiting for you to do the sound. Gong. There we go. Sorry. I was totally off kilter then, wasn't I? I was like, (laughs) I'm letting the side down. You can edit that one and just make out that I got it. (laughs) So the the GNK power droid, uh, it actually started life as, um, uh, uh, it wasn't actually called the the gonk droid as we know it now. This is going to take you back a few years, buddy. But back in the early 90s, the power droid uh, was renamed unofficially to the gonk droid because uh, of a posting in a news group. Do you remember news groups? News? Are they still even going? Uh, Well, there must be a few knocking about, but yeah. That's old school, dude. Old school, man, yeah. Uh, So in a news group back in the early 90s, they unofficially just refer to it as the gonk droid, exactly because of the sound it made. So in A New Hope, uh, when C-3PO sort of uh, wakes up and he's uh, on the sand crawler, he's looking around and there's all, it's like a, it's uh, like a Frankenstein's workshop of just taking apart droids and all sorts of crap. Uh, you see it, sort of, they all come to life very slowly, all these droids, and it's the one with the big chunky feet and yeah, and yeah, it makes that it makes that sound as it's walking along. So that's where it uh, got its name from. Um, so they are probably the 
the droids in the universe that see the least amount of action, I would say. Uh, so like the opposite end of the scale to like R2 and 3PO, who have seen like every battle, it seems, at some point. Um, these guys effectively uh, did nothing more than just supply power to things. So they were just like giant batteries, really, power generators uh, that just sort of lumbered around and, and all the rest of it. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so there's not much to say other than uh, they're a fan favourite. I mean, loads of Star Wars fans love these things just because of this, like whimsical nature. They're, they're not there to provide any kind of um, uh, plot device. They're not there to move story ahead. They're not there to do anything other than just a cool little uh, in-the-background droid. But they seem to have uh, sort of garnered a reputation over the years. They, see, they have some stick in power because there's been plenty of other droids that we've seen throughout all of the uh, films. But some of them just get lost or forgotten or just fade into the background. But the old gonk droid, yeah, it just seems to be, it's always there. It's a bit like 3PO in a way, because I think it's in one shape or form, it's been in all of the, well, most of the films, plus uh, the Clone Wars and Rebels and and all sorts. So it's a bit like that. It's one of those things that's appeared in every film. It's, it's earned its stripes, I would say, as a fan favourite. Uh, likey or no likey for this one, mate? Oh, I like you. I like you. And, and and looking at it from the perspective of, um, you know, when 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 Lucas was coming up with this this whole concept of of this Frankenstein's workshop, you know, that guy had no idea what was going to catch on. He had no idea that 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 twenty years later, almost twenty years later, fifteen years later, a news group would rename one of his most random creations Gonk, and it would take on a life of its own. And you know that 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 interests me. This pop cultural, um, this pop cultural tagging that that we all you know we all gravitate to the crazy things that no one expects us to gravitate towards and these things become pop culture icons and they become you know like you said suddenly it's you know you get someone like Dave Filoni saying oh, we should probably put that in the Clone Wars a little nod <laughs> and then we put it in Rebels and it's it, you just don't know dear do I guess as a film writer as a screenwriter as a as a as a, as a director you don't know what's going to fly and what's not going to fly and that always interests me just generally about movies and TV like what are the lines that people are going to be reciting that you never thought they'd recite. What are the, the 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 characters that are going to fly that you just thought would be passing fads or passing phases or just that no one would notice that suddenly end up just being massive stratospherical, you know, pop cultural phenomenons. And uh, I always think it's interesting when you see cosplay. You know, if you, I think if you make it into cosplay, you've pretty much made it in pop culture. Um, so yeah, man, I think that's a sweet choice. I think that's one of those that can that can very easily, as, as for a casual fan, you wouldn't notice it. But as a, as you dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and you rewatch and you rewatch, you suddenly like, wait a second, yeah, all right, that's pretty cool. So yeah, good shout, dude. I think that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, I said that they were nothing more than sort of giant batteries. There is one one slight um, deviation to that, and I'm not sure if it's canon or not, but. Um, uh, prior to the Clone Wars, uh, one of the huts, uh, Grudo the Hut, um, uh, was uh, sort of planned an attack on one of the shipyards or a spaceport somewhere. And uh, what he did was he obtained a load of these uh, gonk droids, uh, but modified them and put blasters on them and everything and uh, tried to uh, blast the spaceport. And it was actually Mace Windu that just cut a lot of them down 
lightsaber out, done them. And then they went back to just being normal power droids. So take from that what you will. Well, I mean, it's window, isn't it? <laughs> it's the window, isn't it? It's the window. Have you seen this recently that uh, <laughs> the, the re revitalized rumor that Mace Windu is still alive? You are. Uh, nobody's ever gone. Exactly. But it's just been flying about again <laughs> this week. Yeah, yeah. You know, no pun intended. I know he flew out of a window, but uh, <laughs> it's been. I don't know. What's your quick reaction on that one? Uh, is it a yay or is it a nay? Is he dead or is he? Alive? Uh, it's a nay. He's dead. Yeah, I agree, man. He's dead. Dead in the water. He's dead. <laughs> Sam L, isn't it? You know, if uh, he can't be in everything. <laughs> it, well, he apparently he can. Because he is in everything. <laughs> he really is in everything, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. He really is. We should have should we, we should do like an honorary two minutes on Endgame because he's in Avengers Endgame, isn't he? We'll not do any spoilers, but quick reaction. What do you think, dude? Endgame, uh amazing, um, emotional. Uh, sad, uh, pulse racing, uh, beautifully filmed, uh, great conclusion. Yeah. Not many negatives, really. What about you? Yeah, satisfying, man. And, and the cinematography was outstanding. I noticed that right from scene one with Hawkeye, mm. with the way that they shot that scene and the way they'd set the horizon halfway up um, the screen as opposed to further down. The, everything from that was just so well thought out and just... You know, as blockbusters go, there's always something that is feeling as if it's lacking a little bit. There's always something that you're like, mm, you know, just if this, if, just if. And Endgame, I think, was the biggest epic movie that didn't have any of that for me. I left that movie just feeling completely satisfied and full up. Um so yeah, no spoilers, but just absolutely, absolutely great. And there's always things you can nitpick, but do you know what? Great. Really good. I think epic is the the most appropriate word for that film, I would say. And uh, it would be interesting to see if The Rise of Skywalker uh, breaks any of its recently set records because it stole a few of them away from The Force Awakens. So it would be interesting to see if Star Wars can can up the ante a little bit and, and, and take a few of those records back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the rate that it got to a billion was startling mm. like three days to get to 1.2 billion i think it was force awakens was like i think it was 11 days to get to just over a billion then infinity war was 1.02 in five days and you it's this has just absolutely trounced it and it's it's not surprising really is it because it's got those casual fans as well you know if you you know, me trying to get a friend of mine that doesn't like Star Wars to come and see it, you know, the biggest draw that I've got is, aha, the Emperor and Luke Skywalker. And like, well, you know, but the person that doesn't like Marvel is few and far between mm. because someone might be a Thor fan, someone might be an Iron Man fan, then you've got a, you've got a Cap fan or you've got a, a, a fan of Black Widow or whatever. You know, it's just such a wide-ranging realm that there's always someone that's like, do you know what, I don't like any of these guys, but Chris Pratt is my guy. I love that guy, so I'm going to go see it. So that... I think that obviously perpetuates it, but yeah, I'd be interested to see whether, whether, whether the House of Mouse can uh, throw some more records its way and 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 put them into the Star Wars camp or not. But can we just talk um, before we wrap up for two seconds about the genius of their acquisitions? By the way, you know the the whole Marvel setup. They paid four billion, I think, for Marvel in what two thousand and nine. I want to yeah, say, yeah, back then, maybe a bit later yeah. than that. Mm -hmm. And it's. 
he'd have made a hundred, uh, sorry, 1.2 billion on one movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, yeah, the people running the, well, is it Bob Iger is the CEO? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's come out of his brain or if it's, well, I assume not. It's like a team effort of like the senior management, but in terms of acquisitions, mate, it's like, cause they just bought Fox as well, didn't they? In the last month. So that now gives yep. them the rights to a bunch of, I think when their new Disney Plus uh, streaming uh, service launches later on in the year, as long as well as all the Star Wars stuff, isn't it going to have like every single episode of The Simpsons and every single episode of a couple of other uh, Fox-based uh, TV stuff? So, uh, and then the Lucasfilm thing, although that came kind of out of nowhere, it's all just genius. I mean, the amount of money, uh, it's just, it's almost unfair. You can't even imagine like the amount of money, like the amount of money the, of dollars that Disney makes just in a day is ridiculous from everything like ticket sales. Is it, at any one time, there must be a Disney owned franchise film in the cinema at any one time, along with home media, merchandise, the whole shebang. It's just, yeah, they've gone. There's just a powerhouse. I don't know how any entertainment company is going to top the Disney group. I just don't. It's insane. And, and, and the, it really is a stroke of genius bringing in everything around experience as well. You know, you can walk out of uh, Magic Kingdom, everything Disney, and you, you can walk straight into Galaxy's Edge. You can walk into the Marvel side of things. In terms of, you know, bringing in X-Men and Deadpool and bringing in Fantastic Four and like, oh, like, what? You can't even speak. It's just insane. The, the strategic minds behind that. Um, you know, and there's, I don't think there's any other company that could have pulled it off. You know, who else is going to build apart from maybe Universal? Who else could build? Um, who else could build on the brands that Star Wars and everything Marvel have got, but Disney? Because who else can add layers of experience outside movies? And you know, even this Disney Plus streaming service, dude, it's seven quid a month. That's, it's seven quid. It's nuts. And uh, I currently pay for an app called Disney Life. And that's uh, £5 a month. And that's got l just tons of... It doesn't have the Star Wars movies on there because that, that's the whole rights publishing broadcasting. But it's got everything else on there. Um, and I'm hoping that when that launches later on in the year, they're just going to transition Disney Life over to that. And I'll hap I will happily pay seven quid because that really forces the new Apple service to watch what they're doing price-wise, you know, Netflix and those guys, their price edges up a little bit every year or every couple of years. So for them to go straight in under $10 or £10, that's really going to put pressure on those other guys. And the content, I mean, The Mandalorian, come on. Just that alone is going to be amazing, let alone all the back catalogue of Star Wars stuff. It's going to be so cool. Oh, it's nuts, man. It is. It is. Well, <laughs> we live in a world where you can watch, you can watch, you know, Marvel's new streaming stuff, you know, the Falcon, um, no spoilers, the Falcon <laughs> and Bucky, you can, you can watch the, the Scarlet Witch and Vision, you can watch the new Loki series, the new Hawkeye series, and then instantly watch the Mandalorian, watch the Clone Wars, watch Rebels, watch anything from Disney. And I, I'm just flabbergasted by it. I think obviously they'll put the price up. I can see it selling it, settling at about 14 bucks per month um, within the next six to 10 years. But as a, as a data grab, as a user grab, as a land grab in the early days, yeah, 
it's, it's genius, man. It's a really, really strong play. Really, really strong. So, yeah, well impressed with yeah. that. I reckon they're going to have tons of people sign up to that from day one. Tons of people. That's another money spinner. Well, yeah. Will be two of them, brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's stick a pin in it. We've got, um, what we got coming up next week? We've got the usual random spotlight. I don't know what we've picked for next week. I've got an idea for next week, actually. I'm going to, uh, I think, I want to focus, if you don't mind, on another droid from the universe. Um, one that's got a bit more of an edge to it. Um, so I wouldn't mind picking that one out. That's for next week. Um, and we'll uh, we'll be back every single Saturday. Now, you probably, as a listener, you'll be using this as a bit of a catch-up because we are recording this on Wednesday, the 1st of May, which means that next week, when we record, it will be the one that goes out the same week. So this... This is your last chance to kind of go back and binge. You know, we've recorded four episodes now. Um, you, you can just go back and binge those. Once you've got through the four episodes, we're going to be almost live in your ears every single week. So we'll be recording on Wednesday, pushing that out on Saturday, getting that all scheduled up to push out. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one. And like I said, like we said earlier on, you know, if you want to get involved, if you want to get some exclusive content, if we get to 150 bucks per month on Patreon, we will create our bonus content, the Holocron Files. Um, the reason that we want to do that is so we can reinvest back in the show so that we can hire probably an editor and a bit of help just to kind of do some of the heavy lifting on the extra show. As soon as we get to that, we will reinvest that money back in. So please go and check out patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion and also instagram.com forward slash is it rebellion underscore spark, uh, spark of rebellion oh, yeah. show. Oh, yeah. What's Rebellion underscore Spark? Is That's that Twitter? Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not very good at this <laughs> stuff, am I? So go and check it out. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion anyway. But uh, this has been a good episode, dude. Really good. Always enjoy it, my man. Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, so those of you listening um, on the, the Saturday, this Saturday, um, happy Star Wars Day. Happy May the 4th. And uh, we will be back next week. Um, for episode five we're probably going to do a bit of a news roundup then because uh, as Mark said we'll be a bit more of a live in your ears thing as we roll week on week with that so if there's no news uh, we'll go back to the top threes because they're always fun to do but yeah until then until next week have a great time enjoy the show and may the force be with you always Mm -hmm.